0: Tonight is study number 15 of Genesis chapter 8. We're going to begin reading in verse 9. Genesis 8 verse 9. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet other seven days, and again, He sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came in to him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So Noah knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet other seven days, and sent forth the dove, which returned not again unto him any more. Well, in our last study, we were looking in verse 9, which uh, said in the beginning of the verse, but the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And we were looking in the Bible uh, where that language is used, the sole of the foot or the feet. And we saw in Deuteronomy 11, in Joshua 1 and Joshua chapter 3, that it is used in association with either crossing the River Jordan and entering into the Promised Land, or of the Promised Land of Canaan itself. And that's significant because we're reading of the judgment of the whole earth. The whole world has been wiped out with the flood, and it's just about time for the waters to go down to the point where Noah and his family and all the animals will come off of the ark and enter into a new world. It is a new world that we would not think geographically, that the geographical boundaries that were before the flood are the same as after the flood. No, the face of the earth would have been rearranged. We know in our time that Things like the Grand Canyon were formed uh, as a result of the flood, and the Grand Canyon did not exist before the flood came. But due to the enormous pressures of all that water and all the catastrophic damage it caused across the face of the earth, the whole landscape of the world would have been altered things would have been changed. But, of course, it's the same world. We're we're not saying that, but the Bible does speak of a first earth, implying a second earth. Now, it's still one earth from the creation of this world until its final destruction, but it's broken up into two epochs of time, the one before the flood 6,023 years, and then destruction, and then the one after the flood, which, if the pattern would hold, if we go from the flood date of 4990 BC to 2033 AD, how many years would that be? 7,023 calendar years, like the first Earth had 6,023 actual years, we have the same significant numbers. 7,000, fullness of 1,000, and then modified by a 23-year period. And it is interesting how God destroyed Jericho with the Israelites marching around the city once a day for six days. Then on the seventh day, they marched around seven times, and the total was 13 And then the walls came tumbling down. And we can see, though, the division. There was a distinction between the first six days six times, and that seventh day seven times. And we see the same division with the first earth and the second earth, 6,023 years destruction, 7,000 years exactly to 2011, Judgment Day comes. And again, evidence is mounting that perhaps 2033 would be the final end. But if it were, then that would be very um, appropriate. It, It would follow another pattern, as we saw the pattern of Christ's first coming, and how that ties together with the pattern of the dates that we understand, 1988, 1994, and so forth, and but but we're not um, really focusing on that at this point. Um, just to say that the flood was a destruction of the world, picturing the final destruction that we're in the process of happening right now, as God has brought the spiritual judgment on the world, and we're waiting for the conclusion of the whole thing. And so it's very significant that the dove who represents the Holy Spirit could find no rest for the sole of her foot. It's significant that she's looking for rest for the sole of her foot. Because, again, that phrase ties in with the promised land. Let me read Joshua 1. Once again, Joshua 1, verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. And that's in reference to the land of Canaan. Every place the sole of your foot treads upon. It's a statement that goes hand in hand with the promise of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of the eternal dwelling place which points to the new heaven and new earth. And so, the dove is looking for the new heaven and new earth. You know, God's looking for that uh, as well as the people of God are looking for that. That is, God has an interest in that eternal new creation as much as we have an interest in it. Because... We are going to dwell together. That's what it says in Revelation. Remember in Revelation, I think it's chapter 21 or 22. um, It says in Revelation 22, verse 3, And there should be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. So uh, the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now back in uh, the previous chapter, Revelation 21, it says in verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, The new heaven and the new earth, the new creation, the new kingdom of God that is going to be initiated. It will, it will, uh, come into being at the end of this world. As far as an actual place, an actual new creation, it will happen as soon as this world is destroyed, we will be, all the elect will be raptured, resurrected, and meet the Lord in the air, but we're not going to just float around. God's plan is to create that and fulfill the promise that He has given to His people for thousands of years, that they will have an everlasting, uh, a possession a place to dwell but we we do not have an eternal dwelling place in this world we have a temporary dwelling place while we live in this world and we die and we leave the world our spirit goes to be with the lord in heaven and there are the spirits of the people of god waiting for the completion of all things the consummation they're waiting for the resurrected bodies but more than that the whole company of the elect yes uh we we want god to finalize our salvation and it's not finalized until we receive those new resurrected bodies spiritual bodies but more than that we we also have been promised a place to live, a place to dwell, and not alone, but with God. As it said here, Behold the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And so the the dove is on board the ark. All on that ship are waiting. You know, it's not easy um, taking a long voyage. And they've been at sea at this point. When the dove is sent forth, it's um, the 11th month. And remember, when did they enter on board the ark? In the 17th day of the second month. So they've been on board the ship for almost nine months. You know, in the Navy um, sailors on board aircraft carriers take extremely long cruises and that's why a lot of sailors do not want to be stationed on board an aircraft carrier because they go out to sea for long periods of time without hitting port and they leave their families and and they're gone for three, four, six months at a time. And when sailors come back from that kind of a long voyage, sometimes it changes them. And and they seem even to be different people. Well, they've been on board this ship for almost nine months. Nine months of feeding animals. And I'm sure there was daily prayer and, and speaking of the word of God and, and thinking of what God has done and thanking God for the great deliverance he's given them. But, but still, it's a very long time and certainly they were anxious. They were eager to get off the ark, to finally leave the ship. Uh, they would look out the window and just see water. You know, when you're confined, what tends to be on your mind is, well, I can't wait to get out of here so I can stretch my legs, breathe some fresh air, walk on dry ground. They're also on board a vessel that's, that, that has landed in a sense on, on the top of the mountains. But before that, uh, they, they were rocking back and forth and, and now there might be some more stability because they they sort of grounded themselves at um, on the mountains of Ararat but but still, just to walk about to walk more than the length of the ship it it would have been just a a growing desire within them, a growing eagerness to come out of. The ship, and to set their feet on dry ground, and to inspect the new earth. After all, they had to wonder what is God's plan. Why has He spared us? We'll be the only ones alive in all the world, and and these animals are the only creatures alive. So it's a very important project that the Lord had. And they certainly would have been eager to get started. Just like God's elect living at this time after God has spiritually brought all of his people into the safety of the ark of the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ and is bringing us through a day of judgment As he judges the world and we are making an appearance before the judgment seat in a demonstration. So there, there is all these things going on, yet it's a, it's a very difficult time period. It's not easy to live as a child of God in these kinds of circumstances, just like it would not have been easy for Noah, his wife and his sons and their daughters to live. In those circumstances, yet we have physical freedom, we can walk about, but, but spiritually there are a lot of things currently going on and, and so there is a desire, there is a looking forward by the Lord's people and a, and a hope, well we can't wait until this period of time ends and we can come forth, we can, uh, leave the ark and we can enter into the new heaven and the new earth and, and, and we can see this glorious new creation that God has created and find out what is God's plan for us, what will be our task, what, what will be our focus and, and, and just, just to experience the wonder of entering into the promised land. Not a figure of the promised land, not a type of the promised land, but the actual promised land, what what the Bible has spoken of and typified and pointed to in uh, so many different ways, and and yet finally to experience the reality of it. So yes, the people of God are eager, and likewise... God himself is looking. He's looking because it will be his dwelling place. He will dwell with them. He will be with his people. They will be his people. He will be their God. And so we see in Ezekiel chapter 43... We find this same sort of phrase, uh, remember the soles of the feet, used in connection with Ezekiel's temple. Now, when we think of Ezekiel's temple, we, um, we have to understand that it is a spiritual temple, that is, uh, it's not Solomon's temple, which was an actual temple, and it's not Zerubbabel's temple, which was a rebuilt temple. Ezekiel's temple was never built, it was never constructed, uh, there was never a time when the Jews went to Ezekiel's temple to worship, uh, because it is, it, it's it's um, parable, it's parabolic language, As we read of this uh, tremendously glorious temple in the last several chapters of the book of Ezekiel, and Ezekiel's temple is describing the body of Christ, the whole company of those that God saved. It is the bride. The Similar picture, the new Jerusalem. And so, in Ezekiel 43... It says in verse 4, And the glory of Jehovah came into the house by the way of the gate, whose prospect is toward the east. So the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner court. And behold, the glory of Jehovah filled the house. And I heard him speaking unto me out of the house. And the man stood by me. And he said unto me, Son of man, The place of my throne, and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And my holy name shall the house of Israel no more defile, neither they nor their kings by their whoredom, nor by their carcasses of the kings in their high places. See, that's God speaking. And he's saying, The place of my throne the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. And once again, now it's not coincidence, is it, that we read of the soles of the feet in Deuteronomy 11 in connection with the promised land of Canaan. And again in Joshua 1, as they cross Jordan into the land of Canaan. And Joshua 3, crossing Jordan into Canaan. And in Ezekiel 43, the the house, the spiritual house, where God will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. That matches the language of Revelation. And, and so there's no doubt that this phrase, the soles of the feet, has to do with with the new heaven and the new earth, the eternal dwelling place for the people of God and for God himself. And here in Ezekiel 43, it is from the perspective of God's feet, the soles of his feet. Of course, he doesn't have a body, God is spirit. But it's a figure to indicate when we read about the soles of the feet, that it involves possession. It involves ownership of that which you step upon, what you're treading upon. And in Genesis 8, in verse 9, "...but the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot." So the dove, representing the Holy Spirit, who is God, just as Ezekiel 43 God is looking for that dwelling place where he will rest just like the ark went into Solomon's temple and was said to rest there. God is looking for the rest for the soles of his feet, his eternal dwelling place. And this seems to be an appropriate time as the whole world is destroyed. And so Noah, a type of Christ, is sending forth the spirit, the dove, who represents the Holy Spirit, to see, is it yet time? Is this it? Is it ready? Is it prepared for my dwelling place? But she returned unto him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her, and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And, of course, Noah, it was his hand that pulled in the spirit, representing the will of God, bringing back his spirit. Not yet time. It's not yet the moment. It's just not right quite yet. Very near, very close, but not quite yet. Well this makes us wonder now if, if Noah's representing Christ and the dove representing the Holy Spirit, why a trial run? God knows everything. He knows precisely when the new heaven and new earth will be created. Yes, and I, I'm not completely sure of all the reasons for this, except again the the tops of the mountains have appeared and and the dove will be sent out a second time and return with the olive leaf plucked off, which is giving additional evidence that the earth that is uh, going to be prepared for the inhabitants of the ark is just about ready. So in a sense, it's as though God, the Holy Spirit is letting it be known that as the ark continues its voyage, and it's a voyage in the day of judgment, it's a prolonged judgment day that started on the 17th day of the second month, or, we can understand that, to be the prolonged day of judgment that started on May 21, 2011, and the people of God are continuing going into that period of time, and so it's as though God is, in a way, letting it be known to all on board the ark, because these reports would have been handed back from Noah to his family. You know, they they would have talked about it. Well, we saw the tops of the mountains, but the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet as yet, as yet. And And so there would have been some encouragement, for the people on board the ark, that again the water's going down; it's decreasing, and it's just a matter of time. So be patient. Be patient. Let's continue to wait on the Lord, and we're all anxious. We're we're all eager to get out of here, to to get off the ship, to to finally put our feet on dry ground. But it's a process. We're in the process. We're at a certain stage. We're not there yet. That's one reason perhaps that God is encouraging us as we read these things by this report. It's sort of a report given by God himself. It's a report of the Holy Spirit concerning the readiness, the level of preparation for the new heaven and new earth. Not yet. Not yet. And, and so it says in verse 10 of Genesis 8, and he stayed yet other seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. So Noah brought the dove in, he pulled her in to the ark, and he waited. He was a very patient man. If it were me, and, and maybe a lot of us, Uh, The dove would have been flying out the next day. But let's wait, let's wait. Seven days is a good period. What's another seven days? And he, he stayed yet other seven days. And then he sent forth the dove once more out of the ark. So this brings up some more questions, especially the word that the Lord uses for stayed in verse 10. He stayed yet other seven days. Now, now this word that's translated as stayed is a word that's used of childbirth. It's a word translated in pain, in travail, brought forth. And we wonder, uh, maybe it's describing the situation with Noah and, and those on board the ark. Maybe they're much more anxious than, than they appear to be uh, as we read this account, but you could read this and he was in pain yet other seven days or he was in travail yet other seven days and again sent forth a dove out of the ark. Well, Lord willing, when we get together in our next Bible study, we'll, we'll see what it could point to why God uses this particular word to describe the waiting period of another seven days as Noah and his family waited for the report by the dove. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies.